Welcome to the CoinGeek Conversations end of year special. We're going to be picking a few of our favorite moments from 2021. And here to introduce them, I have four special guests. So let me introduce the two founders of Women of BSV, Ruth Heisman. Hi, Ruth. Hiya. And Diddy Weldon. Hi, Diddy. Hello, Charles. And we're also joined by my colleague, Claire Seldron, our CoinGeek reporter based in Manila. So hi, Claire. Hi, Charles. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks, everyone, for doing this. And, um, well, we've been casting our minds back over this very eventful year, and we've each picked a clip that represents, well, something interesting, I hope. So, Ruth, would you like to tell us, um, kick, kick this off by telling us which clip you've picked, and we'll have a look at it. Yeah, um, I've picked a clip of Josh Petty and David Gerard. Um Josh obviously is uh, CEO of Twitch, and, and David Gerard is a sort of blockchain skeptic. Um, so this made for quite a good kind of, you know, uh, sparring conversation. And they're talking about NFTs. And I, uh, I have to say, up until this point, I'm not sure I got the point of NFTs either. But I really enjoyed this conversation because it kind of consolidated the whole thing for me and made it make a bit more sense. Um, and in this clip, Josh is talking about um, the efficiencies offered by uh, tokenization. Great. Well, let's have a look. I'll point out one thing, um, just to kind of step back a little bit, is that the price of purchasing an NFT, the minimum is so high in Ethereum that actually small artists, like artists that want to sell something for $20 or less, aren't going to be able to have any income from this at all. On BSV, we can do that. So this isn't a conversation about BSV. This is a conversation about can we at Twitch build a better platform that actually empowers people to be able to sell and trade things and make actual money from it, where Ethereum, it's like, you know, just be the last one holding the bag because the initial bottom price of these things itself, they have no real price discovery. You could sell something on Twitch for one penny and it would work uh, because the fees are so low. Yeah, no, he makes really good points there. Um, the differences, comparing the differences uh, between BSV and other blockchains, there's really no one else doing it the way that BSV is doing it at the moment. The fees mean uh, on Ethereum generally mean that artists unless they sell an awful lot of, or at a very high price, they end up not making any money from their artwork. Um, but on BSV, of course, transaction fees are often less than a cent or, or certainly less than a few dollars anyway. So it's interesting, you mentioned at the beginning there, Ruth, that you hadn't quite got your head around what an NFT is. So I, I want to yeah. see with Claire and uh, Diddy, how clear are you about exactly what an NFT is? It is basically instead of you just put in putting a digital image online on a normal legacy internet, this is um being able to put an image on the blockchain which has a smart contract to it, which actually proves proof of ownership. That's how I see non that's how I kind of figured it out in mm. my head. Obviously, I did do a bit more deep dive in to understand the contract side of things but that's how I understood it well Claire I think you, you've actually made a video that tries to explain what an NFT is I did well in my opinion in a user's perspective or a buyer's perspective it's more of um it's a digital collectible and um you know you can buy as much as you want there's different kinds out in the market right now but I think what makes BSV's um, NFTs different from the other NFTs in other blockchains are um, we've come out or BSV has come out with tokens that have real utility. So 
I think that's the that's the whole point, and that's what um, motivates some of the software, some of the developers um, that are part of BSB. Like we have uh, in that story that I uh, that we aired during the CoinGeek conference in New York. Um, I talked about the Metabot. I don't know if you guys heard about it. Do you guys own any NFTs? We do. Yes, a few. Charles and I were talking about Duro Dog. Have you heard of it? Oh, we have. In fact, have you got your Duro Dogs? Yeah, the, are we allowed to say? Go on. There is a, a Women of BSV Juro Dogs um, fabulous collection, which will be released this week. Well, I, I had a go on Juro Dogs, and I must say I got a little bit stuck because after I've made my dog um, sort of sit down and stand up a few times or whatever, I ran out of energy, and then I didn't really know what to do next. So I probably haven't really got it. But, I mean, explain to me... Is other things you can do with Juro Dogs, except kind of paying money to make it do something that it doesn't do if you're not paying the money. So if you run out of energy, you can buy food, which gives you more energy. Energy, or you can just literally go and do something else for a couple of minutes while your energy is reinvigorated. Basically, your energy comes back. Well, I'll have to see whether my dog has revived. It probably has had a good rest, actually, since I last looked yeah. at it. Yeah, I mean, if you uh, logged in again today, he's probably got a full 100% worth of energy and you can you can do more tricks and more petting with him. Well, actually, I've got, a, I've got an NFT little story to tell, which is that Joe DePinto of Haste very kindly sent me this uh, Haste T-shirt, um, beautiful piece of clothing, high quality and everything. But the exciting thing is that it comes with an NFT attached, oh. and which he sent to my um, my Relay wallet. And um, yeah, here it is. I, I, you probably can't you yeah. see there's a picture, yeah. of the, yeah. a picture of the thing. Anyway, and <laughs> it has a description, which um, it says this NFT represents um, a shirt made for Charles Miller, the holder of CM Haste, T token, which is what this is, is the owner of the actual shirt, brackets, size large, which may or may not have been worn by Charles himself. Ah. So um, I'm not sure whether that would make it more or less valuable. No, I think been definitely more. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's really cool. <laughs> but, um, Charles so, Miller, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> but Ruth, explain to me then what this all, what's this all about? You know, because the, the T-shirt can get detached from this thing, can't it? I mean, I could sell the T-shirt and forget all about this side of it, or I could sell this. You could, but it would be less valuable. I mean, if you sold it with the token, of course, it will keep its value better. Uh, So, you know, there's the incentive there to keep them together and sell them as a unit. uh, Because it might be worth 100 times what it was worth separately. Um, (laughs) Because it's it's that, you know, proof of ownership, isn't it? Um, Yeah. Yeah. A physical, physical backed item. You know, yeah, right. I mean, this is the thing with NFTs. There's like an infinite ways, number of ways you can use them. Really, some of them. Sometimes you're just selling an image, and people are paying for it because they like that image and they want to be able to look at that image whenever they want. You know, that's um, if it's a digital thing yeah, that can be on the blockchain. like a digital yeah. piece of art. And I mean, yeah. there's a good long history of of uh, patronage of the arts. So there's nothing really wrong, I don't think, with paying people. Uh, to create nice, you know, digital images. But we're going to move on to our next clip now. 
And this is uh, chosen by Claire. Uh, something slightly less technical. So um, Claire, would, would you like to tell us what you've picked? Sure. Uh, so this clip I chose is from an interview Charles did with Dr. Craig Wright. And the conversation on that episode was mostly about Craig speaking as Satoshi. And it was about how the manner um, or the manner of which he wrote the white paper in his early days in the cryptography world, etc. It was a really interesting discussion. But my favorite part here was the part where he he where we see more of Craig's personality and as he talks about what he does on his spare time. So let's have a look. I listen to a lot of audio books, so I spend uh, the night. Right, so, listen to audiobooks, so, that's so I'm looking at 224 is the maximum hours per per month. My God, you must be doing so, other things while you're listening, are you? Oh, I send emails and I type. And <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Uh, but yes, I live on uh, audiobooks. I mean, when, during the day when I'm working, I don't. But. Um, hmm. um, yeah, I annoy the wife quite a lot. By uh, she, she says I sound like a bunch of chipmunks um, uh, because I I have high speed and listen. No, to but you could have it through speed. your ear. She wouldn't have to listen to that, would she? Well, she's lying next to me, so she still. Oh, she still uh, hears it, right? Uh, it's like well, it's very, to... it's yeah, it's quiet, but it, yeah. you can't... <laughs> it's like being next to somebody, a very annoying person on a train or something. <laughs> yeah, that's her argument. <laughs> <laughs> Because everything else at night's quiet, so yeah, you wake quiet. up just hear this little chipmunk going. Yeah, I, I, I sympathise <laughs> with her. I must say, <laughs> I'll tell her that. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of see uh, the other side of Craig that we don't normally see. But what do you think of that? In two hundred twenty-four hours a month. So I computed it, and it's about a third of the month uh, listening to audiobooks. That's do you crazy. Find it hard to believe. Do you believe yeah. that? No, I, I can believe it myself. I um, used to have a job uh, editing physics journals uh, when I was younger, and I used to listen to Radio 4 constantly as I was doing it. So I know for myself that I am really, really happy to have uh, audio input and also be doing something else as well. So he can presumably be quite affected doing something else at the same time, and in which case you could you know, conceivably listen to it for like up to 10 hours a day probably. Still remarkable, though. And he does listen to them extra fast as well. Exactly. Now that I can't do. Yeah, not not three x speed or whatever it is he does. But that's... And in the middle of the night when he's supposed to be asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I you'd think it'd be like being awake watching a film or something, listening to an audiobook whilst you're, I'm not sure whether I'd get any true rest. Craig often talks about, you know, I'm doing 25 degrees and I've read 15 million books and stuff. And I sort of, you know, I'm generally a little sceptical about the numbers. But then when he voluntarily produced his phone yeah, yeah. with that sitting on it, I mean, I thought that suddenly we're in a slightly different realm there because, you know, I, I hadn't asked for it. And um, there was the graph, you know, so there was the graph. The thing is, Craig is work most of the time when he's not, you know, doing conferences and stuff he's at home and I I can believe him because I actually like to listen to videos with my headphones on while I'm doing other things but I think also with Craig he has this is I think he's just come to this system where he can listen study 
and type. And literally he must have, you know, five or six books open at the same time. And maybe he's doing five minutes of one thing, five minutes of another, or five minutes of something else. And I think that actually trains the brain to be able to learn better and to be able to work better. And switch tasks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Claire, you've been around Craig at the conferences and stuff. What what have you observed when you when you've seen him in person? Oh, I think in person he was very he was personable and you know, he has, he was actually soft-spoken and he, he knows how to charm, I guess, the, the ladies or well, definitely <laughs> not, I don't think the men. <laughs> so like he has a certain charm about him because he's smart. He's, he's really smart. And from what I've learned in the many interviews that I've seen of Craig is that he loves to learn. Um, I remember once he said, time is money. And this is something that I keep in mind to this day when I'm watching TV or spending too much time on Instagram, social media, you know, I just think, okay, time is money. I shouldn't be wasting my time with these things. But basically, you know, he likes to learn and what we've seen in his, um, um, in the past, he's had this like never ending journey with um, taking on all these courses from different universities. So I think that's something that's, um, that's something I admire about him. Yeah, same here. I think it's interesting that you use the word charm because I think there really is a charm about him. And he has this whole line about I'm not good with people. And I've never really bought that. But he is. He's actually extremely pleasant to talk Mm. to, very polite and charming, as you say, and great great sense of humour. And this sort of whole thing, I'm I'm hopeless with people. I, I, I don't know. I just don't buy it, really. I think he also has such a wide range in his vocabulary and his learning because he studies all the time that he literally can talk to you about any That's subject. That's right. He can meet you where you are, you know, with whatever interests you. Yeah. And I had a great conversation about Mozart. I thought it was a great conversation about Mozart, yeah, which I don't think many people probably would have expected from, you know. When when I met him, I, I, just, I was a bit garbly because I to me he's one of my heroes you know um I was a bit nervous about it and I ended up talking to him about my gardener for some reason I don't know why so we but um you know and gardening but he he can yeah he's, he was very charming he's very pleasant uh you know he gave me time and I I you wouldn't know that the way he says that he has problems you would never know unless he told you that really Right. Well, let's move on to the next one. We're getting back into the world of technology here, and this is this is Diddy's choice. So, what are we going to see here, Diddy? Okay. So, I chose um, from the Zurich conference earlier this year, which was the eighth of June, and it was the first day of the Zurich conference. And Jimmy Wynn introduced Shadows, Steve Shadows, and it was the first time that Steve had actually introduced Terranode in public to people, um, thus proving that Bitcoin SV um, can and does actually scale. And I remember there's a quote that was um, from from Craig and it says basically don't break Bitcoin. And I think this is the whole point of the scaling debate is that, you know, Core broke Bitcoin and Mm -hmm. Steve Shadows has repaired Bitcoin. And he proved on stage that basically Bitcoin does scale, it can scale and we're doing it. Here we go. Yeah, this is an example of the network usage uh, under that particular configuration. So you can see that as it was ramping up, the network usage increased. 
and you can see that the CPU usage increased. This is pretty much the fail point when the CPU started to get saturated. So this one is creeping up. It's well and truly past the, uh, the point where the two-node configuration failed, and we're just about to cross the fail threshold right now. So let's take a look at where we got to. Uh, we are there. And we can see we've got about 50,000. So um, that's actually almost close to perfect, which is unusual. Um, but uh, I guess the demo gods are smiling on me today. Well, apart from the fact that he was pleased about it, uh, Diddy, I'm not quite sure what I was looking at there. But can you give? is it possible to give a, a sort of brief explanation as to what was going on there? Um, okay, so basically it's a live demonstration of the fact that um, the network can actually scale. And I think it started off where we got to 36,000 transactions. Um, and then just there, Steve was actually demonstrating uh, cross-shard communication with 50,000 transactions per second. But also on testnet we managed to get to a hundred thousand transactions per second so literally the dashboard that steve was showing was showing those transactions as they were like happening um and so it it kind of proves the latency of the network as well and the scaling capabilities and um i think if i remember rightly the cost of this model was uh, 500 satoshis for 100,000 transactions, a cluster cost of about 2,000 USD per month with about 100 miners at 30 gigabyte block sizes would be an estimated fee of about 1,296 US dollars mm. um, for the miners. And when you consider that that's a 30 gigabyte block size, and Cora still stuck on one megabyte block sizes, and we on testnet can do safely a hundred thousand transactions per second. And Cora still doing seven to fourteen transactions per second maximum. I think this proves the point of the scaling debate. That's a that's a brilliant explanation. So thank you very yeah. much indeed. And well, uh, well, so let me ask R Ruth and Claire then: What does that success with technology? Um, promise for the future, for next year and the year after, about what what we can expect from BSV. Do you think? Well, if if all goes well with the TerraNode implementation, um, you know we we're, we're seeing that Bitcoin can actually surpass the Visa network in processing power, and um, you know Visa usually goes for about. 2,000, well, I read about this, 2,000 transactions per second and 50,000 transactions uh, per second at its peak globally. And, and also, got to mention, you know, BTC tops out at seven transactions per second. So it's pretty impressive to see something like this. And uh, watching Steve do that demo, um, yeah, it was just it was amazing. What do you think, Ruth? I think if Bitcoin's used in all the ways that people want to use it, uh, I think it's going to need to scale like that uh, because it could be computer-to-computer uh, -computer, uh, communications as well as people using it as well. Um, so, I mean, when Craig says, you know, Bitcoin is everything, I, I think he means it literally. And so he's got to, they've got to meet, you know, the, these forecasts that they've made. 
but uh, so far so good. You know, if you can just keep on adding adding in new clusters to uh, sort of, I can never say this word, parallelize the transactions processing, then uh, the sky's the limit. You know, and and uh, we just have to keep plugging away. I think, and eventually, the world will have to pay attention. Mm. Brilliant. Well, I'm going to move on to the final clip, which is one that I've picked. And going back not so far into history of last year, because it's part, it's from the, in relation to the climate right trial in Miami. And our coin geek uh, colleague, Kurt Wookert Jr., uh, absolutely um, made a star of his uh, appearances uh, in relation to the case because he was in court every day doing a live stream every evening which was absolutely brilliant i think and um gave us a wonderful mix of sort of factual reporting and some sort of character building uh, descriptions as well and i wanted to use this little clip here where he's talking about ira Kleiman, who's who was the plaintiff and his extraordinary use of emails um many different emails and um, his his late brother Dave, who was really at the centre of this story, um, he used his emails as well. So let, let's see how Kurt um, explained all that. So he still controls Dave Kleiman's email. So I, I believe that means it's the Dave at DaveKleiman.com is still under the control of Ira. And he admitted on the stand when asked if he had ever written anything as Dave, he said, well, I send myself a happy birthday email every year on my birthday from Dave's email. And I, I, I don't, I didn't see anybody else respond to it, but I, I mean, I looked up and scanned the room because it was like, hold on. Like that is super, super creepy, weird. And nobody else seemed to say anything about it. And like, if I could have like raised my hand, <laughs> be like, Hey, can we repeat that? Like that's creepy. Uh, it's either creepy or it's not true, and um, that that one was that one was very weird too. Yeah, brilliant, really. The way I, I think uh, has a background in sort of being a radio presenter or something, and you know he really uh, has that wonderful way of just sort of talking away very intimately with the viewer and spontaneously, but with a, a huge amount of detail and some some wonderful descriptions during those live streams, I think, and, and answering any question that came along as well. So did did anybody else uh, uh, watch watch a lot of Kurt during the last few weeks? Oh, I did. I was addicted. I mean, I, and, you know, I was waiting for the notification to come up and sometimes he'd start broadcasting late or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, I was absolutely glued to it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And they both did a great job here and Patrick did a fantastic job. Yeah. Did you did you tune in, did he? Um, yeah, every night. Stayed up late to watch yeah. every night on the live yeah. stream, there in the chat box, in the troll box. Um interestingly, uh Greg Maxwell and Luke Jr. were also watching because I did see them in the troll box as well. But yeah, um I definitely watched it and also I thought um Kirk did an amazing job to be honest with you. He was also on the lawyer you know and he got the lawyer you know as well yes. to come on on his show. Um and that was really that was quite interesting because obviously he the lawyer you know is in court all the time doing these things. So it was interesting to get his perspective on stuff as well. But yeah like Kurt is just amazing. He really is. He's so eloquent with his words and everything as well. So, and like you say, he probably was a radio DJ in a past life somewhere along. Well, I think it might have been in his present life, actually. 
But Claire, I mean, I felt that I learned quite a bit about the American legal system that I didn't really know before as well. <laughs> right, right. Um, the about the conversion charge, um, which um, I don't know if you saw that uh, conversation between Patrick and Kurt, and uh, they were talking about, you know, first of all, what is this whole conversion thing? And um, Kurt, you know, gave his own explanation. Yeah, so I learned, I learned about that. So it was really exciting. This whole mm. thing, it's a month long, like series, that's like watching a show. <laughs> Well, it was interesting that the end result seemed to be that both sides were able to claim victory of sorts, yeah. you know, because even for Ira's side, for, for, for Ira's lawyers to be able to say, well, the great news, we've, we've won $100 million. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't just um, dismiss that completely either. Not that, I mean, not that that's necessarily the end of the story. I mean, it, yeah, maybe they haven't quite won it, but I mean, it's not like they didn't get a result either. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And, and it muddies the waters. That's the trouble, isn't it? Because the way that the court case is being reported on uh, can be two different stories be told about it. And inevitably the people who want to, you know, who are, who are supporting BTC project will want to tell their own story and keep, and because as long as they can pretend BSV doesn't exist, they can make believe that BTC is, you know, going to solve the world's problems. Well, Calvin, Calvin Eyre, who's the owner of CoinGeek, amongst many other things, um, has always said that this trial, the Kleiman trial, was going to be a turning point for Bitcoin SV. Do you think that will turn out to be true? Uh, I do, because what it's done is, is obviously, um, you know, Craig has been in all of the MSN, you know, the mainstream media now have picked up on this. But yeah, no, Kelvin's right. I mean, obviously, it it proves again, you know, it's this thing of Craig's not Satoshi, Craig's not... Craig is Satoshi. He obviously is Satoshi. He's already been several court cases that prove he is Satoshi. He's won his copyright cases. There was the um, Australian tax cases, the court cases mm. in the UK, there's McCormick case. All mm. of these cases he's won. He hasn't lost any of them because yeah. he's got the proof and all the proof is on you know, he invented Bitcoin. Do you think that the inventor of Bitcoin is not going to have proof that he invented Bitcoin? It's all going to be on the blockchain to prove that. Well, there will be plenty more court cases for those who enjoyed the climate right case. There'll be plenty more coming up next year. So, you know, stay tuned. And we hope that Kurt will be doing service in those ones as well. But we, we should probably wrap it up now. But um, any any predictions for 2022? Anybody before we, before we wrap this up? Well, um, the, the, the only thing that I know that is definitely going to happen is that Terranode will be operational by the end of 2022. So I'm thinking that maybe not by Q4, maybe by Q3, that Steve might get Terranode out there. Great. Ruth? More intrigue. I, I mean, I love it. it. It's like being part of a soap opera almost, uh, following uh, Bitcoin. Um, but it, it's fascinating. It's ever-changing. It's exciting. Uh, and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine not being in the middle of it. I really couldn't. I love it. Claire, what are your, what have you got planned for, for next year? Um, well, I just want to add something um, about the uh the previous conversation about um, the the trial, I think the main takeaway for me from that trial is that um, you know, and this 
came from the lawyer that you know. He said that because Craig was not charged for any punitive damages, um, basically implicates or proves that he is not a fraud. So that's, I think, you know, it's 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 really good to bring that up. And so people would realize that, um, that, you know, it went to court and the facts were out there and this is proven and he did not, he was not charged for any punitive damages. So that is a good way to start 2022 without having been established. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's a good one. Gives okay. him leverage, I think in future cases. Well, we should probably stop. Um, get on with our Christmas festivities or whatever we're doing. Um, but thank you so much, Claire, Ruth and Diddy. And uh, have a very good 2022, everybody. Thanks. Thank you, Charles. And thanks for watching. Thank you, Happy holiday, everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Bye. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs>